Welcome to the Mindfulness Academy podcast. I'm your host, Amy Morgan. And on today's show, we have Brent Freeman of Camp Town. Welcome, Brent. Hey, thanks for having me. I want to tell you guys a little bit about who Brent is and what brings him on the show here. Brent rejoined Camp Town, which we'll talk more about Camp Town here in a moment, as president and executive director in 2021, after 12 years working as a teacher, school leader, and district administrator in the heart of Indianapolis. Brent holds a bachelor's degree in sports management, a master's degree in teaching and educational leadership, and he is currently becoming certified as a nature and forest therapy guide. Brent serves as a deacon at Redeemer Presbyterian Church. He is often hiking, camping, and biking in our public lands along with his wife, Alex, and therefore kids. So welcome to the show. I'm excited for a conversation today. I've been thinking about it um, here for a while, um, all the things that we are going to get into today. So we'll start with a little bit about how we met. Um, I assume it was just through uh, our connections with Camp Town and then also maybe it was more so my husband working on your house. <laughs> maybe that's mm-hmm. what it was, but I'd right. already known and been a little bit involved with Camp Town. That's probably how we connected yeah. then. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know which exactly would have come first. You certainly knew of Camp Town before you and I had met, but I but I certainly remember meeting you um, when one of your children was out, you know, at a state park um, and participating in a Camp Town program through their school. And so I recall that uh, a few years ago. And I think that's what sparked this, uh, you know, even this initial kind of uh, conversation about mindfulness and nature, right? And you had, you shared a little bit about your work in this space, um, which which sounded very exciting. Absolutely. Well, I love, I'd love to hear a little bit about who you are, a little bit of backstory. Some folks will even go back to where they were born, where they grew up. Just give us a sense of who Brent Freeman is. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, that's, that's a Great question. I, I'm from Indianapolis, um, you know, really have lived in and around this area my whole life. And um, so uh, was was uh, really fortunate as a kid to, to grow up in a family that uh, my father was um, a, a, a professional Boy Scout, which meant uh, he was involved in their outdoor programs. And that meant that I got to live for uh, six of my summers as a boy in summer camp. And so we would literally move out of our house and then go to, you know, camp for eight or 10 or summers at the time, maybe even 12 weeks and live there. And so that was really formative, you know, in my upbringing um, to spend time outdoors and really kind of um, has shaped in, in many ways professionally even right today, um, the things that I'm involved in, uh, but certainly my interests. And as you said, uh, how we spend time as a family. Um, but yeah, I grew up uh, in in central Indiana and uh, you, you mentioned um, went up to Taylor University. Uh, one, one other sort of um, highlight that has nudged me into, you know, this space is just uh, working at a wilderness camp, right? Um, a lot of folks uh, have worked in camps at various points in their um, young adulthood. Um, but but for me, um, uh, Deerfoot Lodge and in, in um, as about a 21 year old for me it was a very formative place um, in experiencing the the power of wilderness, you know, and its ability to help shape um, us and help shape young people. And so, um, yeah, those are those are a few highlights. Well, wonderful. Camp is so amazing. When I when I think back to my childhood, 
it's definitely top five or 10 memories of just, you know, wandering along by yourself and in the quiet trees. I don't know. There's just something really sacred about that. Just yeah. you and nature. So I, I'm glad that you had that experience for all those summers. So you joined Camp Town in 2021 as president and executive director. I know you'd spent a little bit of time there before that as well. So um, you can give us a little heads up on what you're doing there. But I would love for you mostly to talk about what Camp Town is all about. Yeah, uh, that's great. Um, I did, as you mentioned, I worked at, at Camp Town and, and as a program uh, director um, right out of undergrad, basically. And uh, so got to experience our mission firsthand then. And yeah, and, and then um, uh, was really hooked, to be honest mm -hmm. with you, at that time, uh, because it's about using the outdoors as a classroom and as a space and as a venue uh, for teaching about life. And um, we say to challenge, mentor and teach, you know, youth about life. And so um, outdoor adventure is woven into that. Um, the, the settings are um, state parks and national parks and state forests. And, um, and so we partner with youth organizations and schools across central Indiana. Um, and last year served about 5,000 kids. Um, uh, sorry, about 4,500 kids. This year will be about 5,000 kids. And um, yeah, and, and through, you know, a mix of, of day programs, after school programs, you know, sort of week long adventure trips. Um, and of course, we also hear at our headquarters have uh, an indoor climbing facility that we can activate um, with uh, with groups and and use that in the winter time uh, even more so you know as it's a little bit more difficult to spend prolonged time outdoors. So that's an overview of Camp Town. Wonderful, and the indoor climbing facility is called the Crux. Right? The Crux. The Crux. Aptly named. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I like that. So many yeah. offerings. Um, I'm wondering what drew you to the position at Camp Town. I have an inkling knowing your background, but tell me about yeah. it. Yeah. I mean, I, uh, you know, as I mentioned, sort of coming out of undergrad, um, you know, it was a, it was a friend who called me. Matter of fact, I was working at Olympic National Park at the time in Washington for a short term. It was a seasonal role, um, you know, after graduating uh, from college. And, and he said, Hey, I've got this, this, um, family member that's running this this small nonprofit uh turns out that's my predecessor you know in this role um who was the executive director here and he said you know he's he's really interested in a lot of the same things you are you guys should talk i think he's hiring and I called him up and i was like i didn't know this place existed but what an incredible job mm -hmm. um and who we get to work with um is is really um where i feel i belong and, and that's working with you know kids in in the city um and you know, we've we've chosen to, and and Amy, you you can relate to this, I'm sure too. But like to be intentional about raising our kids in in diverse spaces, raising kids in in the city, and and you know, and so I, my career in many ways has um, has led me into those spaces as well, uh, working in public schools and um, you know, working in special education, and and in many ways being drawn to say some may say the more challenging environments. Um, but I, I see it as, you know, there's so much beautiful potential. And, and so how can we together uh, try to realize that potential? Um, and so that drew me to Camp Town, too, just who we get to work with and, and who we get to be in relationship with and build community with, you know, our kids from our city. And some of 
some of whom are, are hurting and some of whom are, are carrying heavy things, um, dealing with a lot as, as young people, um, but yet have, as, as mentioned, have just immense potential um, and, and need people to believe in them and people to teach them and help uncover, you know, uh, that potential as they grow up. And so that's a great delight. And, you know, Camp Town, you know, is the venue for, for that for me right now. Excellent. When we first spoke and we were exploring the idea of you coming on the show, you said, Camp Town isn't full of mindfulness experts. You you said that right out the gate. Right. Um, <laughs> however, I experienced uh, the mindfulness activities that you provided to, um, I believe it was my son's school. I'm trying to remember mm-hmm. if it was my son's or my, my daughter's class. It was, that was son. It was my yep. son, yeah. Yep. Um, and that was a wonderful day. And I thought, wow, combining mindfulness, that I'm, which I'm passionate about with nature, which I also enjoy, is really lovely. And I would also say that beyond the activities that you're leading the kids in, you're working toward your nature and forest therapy guide certification, your accreditation from the Association of Nature and Forest Therapy, kind of like with Camp Town with you, what? I didn't realize a place like this existed. Um, I would love to hear more about this group and uh, what you intend to gain and share as a result of getting that accreditation. Um, And I know that you talked for just a minute when we spoke earlier about um, kind of maybe some inspiration from uh, the Japanese forest bathing. Mm. If you could maybe touch on that and even what that is, that, that would be an interesting thing to talk about on the show. So Tell me about the group and what you intend to gain, and then we can kind of meander from there. Yeah, it's it's a really interesting organization, um, as I understand it, based out of uh, California, uh, so Western United States. But a gentleman named Amos Clifford, who has um, launched a a training uh, sort of program um, and really drawn um, a fair amount of people into it. And so they're international now. Um, is the the ANFT for short, but Association for Nature and Forest Therapy, um, and they uh, you know provide a six month training with a four day immersion uh, that produces or um, allows people like me to become uh, certified forest and nature therapy guides. And so they are deliberate in saying, you know, I I won't be a therapist, uh, but rather a guide, um, and that the forest can be the therapist, right? And so it is built off of, as you mentioned, the Japanese um, Shinrin Yoku, and I'm always concerned I'll mispronounce that badly, uh, you know, but that concept of forest bathing, you know, which is to immerse into uh, the the forest um, and a natural environment and in some ways, you know, wash away the stress or the, you know, um, uh you know, the hurriedness of typical life um, and really experience some physiological and emotional benefits uh, to that. And um, and so this um, uh, uh, model that, that I'm currently being trained in is an, an adaptation or, or a similar type as, as Shinrin Yoku um, is with um, within Japan. And so course, in Japan, you know, the, the urban areas are so dense and big cities. And, and so there's some real crises occurring of stress and high blood pressure and, you know, these um, uh, chronic health issues from overexposure to stress and, and not always a release of said stress. And so uh, they'll actually at times prescribe forest bathing, right? And, you know, treat it almost in a medical model, but it's certainly non-traditional. Um, but there's some really interesting 
you know, emergent evidence of reduction in cortisol levels and, you know, um, health benefits of things such as lower blood pressure. And, um, you know, and so that's, that's interesting, right? I mean, to some of us that might be intuitive, like I do well when I'm outside or like, I feel better, you know, when I'm outside. Um, now on, you know, it's, it's 99 degrees or whatever today in Indianapolis, but, you know, on a typical day, it might be peaceful and, you know, um, sort of letting us reset, but it's interesting to see then the the health benefits that are emerging, you know, in the research, um, as well to kind of corroborate what some of us might just think is intuitive. Yeah. It, it seems like in, in Indiana, even that, it seems that doctors are even prescribing or recommending spending time in meditation or yoga as, as ways of self-regulating. I mean, just Mm -hmm. uh, maybe alongside other types of therapy, but Hey, your body Mm -hmm. is obviously stressed. This is a stress response. So Mm -hmm. just take what you can in your own hands and, um, do these simple practices. So that's interesting that you talked about um, that being prescribed over there. I kind of wonder how long that might take to make it across the waters to us, but Mm -hmm. it will be an interesting day when it, when it does. So I'm excited that you're, you're getting that accreditation. Um, I think Indiana children have a lot to gain from it. So yeah. Yeah. Likewise. And and there are existing practitioners, um, not not a great number, but in Indiana even, and then a number of, of others, uh, the program I'm involved in was, you know, uh, made possible by a state grant. And so there is a cohort of us also, you know, going through. And so, yeah, so it could be that we're seeing more of this, right, um, offered through a parks department or through, you know, other um, sort of cultural institutions, um, you know, in our region. And so, um, but yeah, I think if anything, it's, it's gaining traction and attention and, you know, and as you said, it could be, could be something that is more commonly accepted, even in a medical type of model. I think it might be. I know that Camp Town leads after school programs with a mindful bent. We will call it that. Um, tell me about some of those practices. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, we have a, a range of, of after school programs and I will say we, we do try to weave, um, you know, elements of self-regulation and, um, social emotional skills into a wide range of our programs and have had uh, pretty good success in, in doing so. Um, and so in an after school, uh, type of setting, um, we, we might spend intentional time in nature and just build up some stamina to either be still in nature or be making observations of, you know, the, the trees. And so we've had groups that have adopted a tree. Um, you know, we uh, might have a sit spot and sort of uh, come to identify the things that are around us, uh, the other beings in our sit spot, and and maybe even map those. Um, and I think as it re- pertains to sort of with a mindful bent, I mean, we are, we are teaching some self-regulation practices, you know, as well. And so helping kids, which, you know, developmentally appropriate uh, based on age and, um, and skill level of kids, it looks a little bit different than it might for adults or certainly at high school versus an elementary age. Uh, but we're adopting some practices from uh, an evidence-based model called TBRI, which stands for Trust-Based Relational Intervention. And 
um, and, and gets into sort of windows of capacity, right? And so we may help kids identify, you know, that I'm in uh, blue mode, which is a, a shutdown mode. I'm in high stress. I'm in chronic stress. You know, I'm overwhelmed. Uh, they, then, you know, there's the green mode that might be a regulated or a middle kind of mode, or, or there might be a red. Um, uh, and sorry, I flipped this with it, but red is the overwhelmed or, or the stress mode. Blue is the low. It's a low mood or it's, yeah, it's a sad mood. It's a, um, you know, sort of slow in thought. I might be hungry, might be thirsty, tired, um, things that are going to impact, you know, my energy level and my outlook. Uh, But what we want to do is give kids a vocabulary for that and help them uh, identify where they are. And that to me is a mindfulness uh, practice or a mindfulness connection. Um, So where, where are you right now? How, how are you? you know, and beyond the surface, I'm fine, you know, it's like, where do you fall on this right now? Right. And like, what is causing you to be there? You know, what, what what's causing you to, to be there? And, um, and then observing that being curious about that. And, you know, and in some cases, there's ample time to an attention for um, staff or for other kids to, you know, uh, lean into that, help somebody process through. Um, and in other times it's, it's building just a habit of checking in with ourselves. Right. And, you know, of, of being mindful of our emotional state, um, and the way our body is telling us things if we listen, right. <laughs> in terms of the stress response or, you know, or, or that low, low mood and sort of what, you know, what are my unmet needs or what are, you know, unsolved problems and, um, and but pay, stopping to pay attention is, you know, in some ways, you know, um, the hardest part in, in today's day and age. And so helping kids to do that is, is one thing that we try to weave in through social, emotional um, learning type of practices. So run us through that again, what the colors are. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, blue is that low, low mood or um, kind of a sad, down, anxious, right? Green being, you know, a um, a regulated state, you know, kind of an optimal zone. There may be healthy levels of stress and it doesn't mean there's nothing going on, you know, but then red is, is overwhelm. I'm heightened. I'm angry. I'm fresh, you know, very frustrated, very anxious, you know, uh, very concerned and kind of in, in an elevated mood. And so, um, so again, those are, yeah, the, the windows of capacity that we're, you know, working to, uh, bring, uh, to, to kid. I like that a lot. I I've often said that one of the greatest gifts that learning how to be more mindful has given me is the opportunity to check in with myself. So, um, I think in the past I had been kind of running on autopilot and not recognizing mm-hmm. that there were things from previous days, weeks, months, even years that I was carrying around and spreading unnecessarily, <laughs> you know, yep. we can do that. And, but yep. there's also a choice to tend to ourselves to say, okay, I, I am overwhelmed. I am in the red zone. And what can I do about that? I don't need to just, you know, blah, you know, put that on everybody else. I, I can, yep look to myself and and others in a healthful way to address the red and it's not to just be avoided you know running from it doesn't do any good (laughs) so recognizing it is a big part of the battle so i like i'd like to hear from you what mindfulness is how you would define it in layman's terms or or how you kind of define it for yourself yeah i guess i think of mindfulness as just kind of being conscious or aware of 
of a thing or of ourselves, right? And I think by and large, the mindfulness movement is about um, about self-awareness that I think can extend to kind of other awareness or, or sort of awareness of our environment. Um, and so I, I think about it um, in, in that way. And, you know, I think, um, uh, did, did you want me to elaborate on kind of how that um, plays into you go? sort of my, okay. Sure. Yeah. So, I mean, I think, I think for me personally, what, what that looks like is, um, you know, I, for me, being outdoors is huge for that. Um, but I do have sort of a morning routine that that I like to practice, and and it um, it definitely involves um, a you know a sort of a, a spiritual element of of scripture reading and prayer and 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 contemplation. Um, but but folks who live you know around me uh, are that walk their dogs, they see me on the porch, right? And so there's a the porch, there's a cup of coffee, there's that time, and my kids know they're like if that if I don't see that, he's out probably out on the porch, right? And it's that it's that quiet time in the morning that allows for me to one um, check in with myself, right. Um, as you say, but, you know, kind of start thinking about um, regulation uh, and, but also start thinking about the day what's ahead, you know, and what, what are my intentions? What are my hopes um, for those interactions and those, um, those different elements of my day and um, what, what people might be in my path that there's um you know, something going on in their world um, as well, or, you know, there's, um, I don't believe any of those things are sort of accidental. Um, and so I think it, it is setting my intentions toward and, and my hopes for, for the day um, as well. And so, um, so that's how sort of I experience it. And I do I really um, love mindful moments in, in nature and in wilderness. So sitting at a mountain view or listening to a stream trickle by, like to me, I can, stop and just be enamored in those spaces and really have some productive, you know, and, and valuable um, uh, sort of mindfulness in, in those spaces. Well, thank you for sharing that. I like that a lot. Um, I'm wondering, it, it sounds like you've had a morning routine for a good while, and I appreciate you sharing about that. I, I always I think that's a value to learn from one another, how we spend mm-hmm. our mornings to prepare for our day, um, get more centered before we start. Um, I'm wondering if you are able to share about your path to mindfulness. Maybe it started a long time ago, or maybe it's something that's kind of bubbled up. Is there, or maybe there's not even a specific point in time, but I'm curious how that kind of got folded into who you are. Yeah, I think I think just observing, uh, you know, observing habits and um, approaches of others, you know, people who I respect and, and you, know, you know, either hearing people speak of habits that they have mindfulness wise or, you know, and thinking of morning routine wise of just, you know, the the sort of the spiritual disciplines are often used and meditation being one of those. Right. That um, as a, um, a habit um, and, and looking to instill um, elements of of that in my own life. And I think realizing like, as I become an adult of just how stressful life can become, right. And, or at least how stressful I've let elements of life become, you know, and uh, having, having four kids, age 12 and under, um, you know, and, and two uh, sort of two career household, right. Um, that my wife and I are in, like it, it is important to find the, you know, find the things that uh, bring us back to our core identity that bring us back to, you know, a sense of, of groundedness and and a sense of, you know, um, stability, 
you know, um, because life brings us plenty of trouble, right? Plenty of stress, plenty of unknowns. And so what is our base there? And so I would say, yeah, just adopting uh, practices that I've heard others have or seen others have or others have encouraged me uh, with. And I think uh, more recently um, using the term mindfulness, right, in the last five to seven years and um, and particularly in the kind of social emotional learning um, and environments of of public education. Um, And so that's probably where, you know, have had more exposure there. so excellent excellent yeah. i'm wondering how would you describe to us you started to earlier and i'm wondering if there's anything else there how being in nature is mindful and i'm thinking about this mm-hmm. it's i i heard about your experience how you can have those um those really deep moments you know maybe it's looking at a mountaintop or um hiking along a path but i'm wondering how you describe nature being mindful for kids. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's, I think, um, uh, largely similar to what, what I described for myself, but, uh, certainly those awe inspiring moments can bring you into that. And, and so when, you know, you encounter something, um, you know, that is awe inspiring and that can both be on a majestic large scale or at a very minute, Oh, Wow, there's look at the, you know, uh, look at the wiggly legs of the millipede. Wonder how many of those there are, right? Um, and observing those things, I think, can draw us, um, you know, into a, a mindful awareness of our surroundings. Um, but I, I think um, the uh, the harmony of nature is something we try to expose um, kids to and talk about that as well. And and just that there are interconnected um, components of that. Uh, but it is as a system, it's generally going to, you know, produce a level of of harmony and, and sustainability um, until or unless that's, you know, disrupted by by some, you know, force. But you know that that's, that's worth observing and that's worth considering, and and in some cases that can help, you know, even draw us into a, a greater sense of peace and, and harmony. So doing that with kids, and um, and I think, um, you know, we it might be that. Uh, it's on a, um, you know, on a hike where we have a, a, a quiet time, uh, you know, that just a guided solo quiet time. Um, you know, it might be that it's in a cave where we uh, turn all the lights off and ask children to be quiet, which, as you can imagine, is not all their first instinct, right? <laughs> uh, I can only imagine just... the resounding shrieks. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Uh so we try to prep them, especially if it's a tight cave, like um, one of our favorites is Wolf Cave down in McCormick's Creek State Park, which is, of course, still rebuilding from, you know, the devastating tornado um, this spring. But uh, Wolf Cave, you know, it's tight. And so, uh, but it's very short and very good for introductory experience. But what does, what does our body do? And we'll literally walk kids through that. What is our, what is your body telling you to do when, you know, when it is dark? And, and it is quiet. And what do you notice even about like what, what feelings or sensations are coming to you, you know, when you experience the stillness and the dampness and quietness and it's pitch black, you know, um, or occasionally on an overnight program, it's, you know, it's in stargazing, you know, that, you know, kind of observing um, the, the clear um, night sky. And so I think, um, you know, there there are times where we will, like with the the time that um, you visited the program uh, with your son, 
or we'll do like a walkthrough of some breathing exercises and try to understand what what level we're at and, and try to bring it down into a calm and a more uh, receptive um, state uh, to uh, perhaps sit and, and discuss or sit and learn um, something about it. So I hope I'm answering the question. You are. Okay. <laughs> you really did. I'm wondering how mindfulness has impacted your life. Yeah, good question. I mean, I think others have commented to me um, that I'm able to keep perspective in stressful moments, right? Um, that I'm able to um, bring others along. The highs aren't too high, but the lows aren't too low and bring others along towards some uh, bigger vision or a collective uh, vision. And people see stability, you know, in me. Now, I may feel at times like I'm, you know, kicking like a duck under the surface or something like that. Um, but I, I do I do think having mindful practices, morning routines, and this, this sort of um, self-awareness, uh, I think is really critical to uh, being able to have a, a presence of stability, you know, and a presence of groundedness and, uh, and to to encounter the difficult things and be present with those, right? And say, this, either this is hard, you know, and and I know there's another side to it, um, or this is really good and we're going to celebrate this and rejoice in this. Um, and and so to not pretend, I, you said earlier, but, you know, to not avoid those things, not to pretend that they're going to go away, if, you know? And so I think mindfulness has been a component of dealing with um, those elements in my life and, I think in my career, I think in my family. Um, and and so, yeah, I would say those are a few ways that mindfulness has impacted my life. Tell me about a story in which mindfulness has positively impacted Camp Town kids. Yeah, great question. I think I could come up with, with several. The one that um, comes to mind uh, was was a trip I was uh, fortunate to lead to Rocky Mountain National Park. And um, uh, for those who have been, you know, the Purple Mountains Majesty and and sort of glacier capped, um, you know, beautiful granite uh, mountains and forests and, you know, elk that'll wander through the campsites and um, beautiful uh, part of our country. Uh, for For everyone on that trip, um, except for myself and our other leader, it was, it was a new, completely new place. And so we were tent camping, um, and we, uh, um, again, the elk were wandering through the campsite, right? Uh, but one morning, uh, we took a slow morning, um, and it was maybe 40 or 50 degrees, um, and chilly. Uh, but we just had, um, some, uh, some, uh, solo time and some journaling time and allowed the kids, um, to, uh, be able to sit and uh you know observe what was around them but but i gave several prompts that they could use to sort of observe what was inside of them as well um and and then write and there was no collection of it there was no sort of assignment that they must um you know uh and some did and some didn't and and one in fact drew a beautiful picture but when they came back um you know we gave them a chance to share um if they wished to um, about their experience and some of the things that were shared were just were just awesome to be honest um one one kid um who was 
probably the most reluctant to say positive things about anyone else in the whole group. Um, and this is an older teen, right? So high school age teen. He's got a real kind of, um, I don't know, hardened persona, perhaps. Um, and uh, but just shared about he was his feelings about um, a very close family member having serious health issues and um, his concern about that. Right. And then looked around the, the group and was like, you all are beautiful people. I'm, I'm glad I'm here with you. And we were just like, you're, you're paying attention to other people. You're willing to, that was such a vulnerable moment, you know, for him um, that came out of this silent sort of meditative, you know, journaling um, time. And, and I think it was really beautiful. Um, and what it did too, is it broke the ice for others to have moments of vulnerability and share in that space as well. And so I can get a little tickled just kind of thinking about like a chill of just the, what happened in that next 20 minutes was, was really powerful. And kids, you know, were referencing that as, you know, a moment of uh, that point, you know, of, of the trip. Uh, now, some of them were like, waiting for solo time to end, right? But they still got value out of it. Um, we had another share about just how, sad, how his life was sad, um, but that he was uh, thankful for people around him that helped him to push through it. Um, and so I think those are where some of the um, perhaps um, life lessons, you know, can be internalized. Um, and, and I'll never forget that moment, you know, of gathering the kids up at, at the campground, Moraine Park, you know, in Rocky Mountain National Park. Amazing. I remember it's probably been about a decade ago. I went to, they have a big kind of outdoor festival um, at uh, Fort Bend, you know, in the Northeast side of Indianapolis. And I met Don, um, who used yeah. to run Camp Town, um, so full of energy and enthusiasm for the great outdoors. I don't think I've ever seen him not in hiking boots now that I think about him. <laughs> maybe Chacos or maybe some Tiva sandals. Yeah. Okay. All right. So there's a summer, there's a summer dawn. Uh, um, but I remember talking with him at their booth about how um, Camp Town had taken this group of kids out. And there was one of the kids in particular, kind of, again, kind of calling out one of the kids that was kind of having the biggest difficulty and this this kid was on the spectrum and was really struggling to be there didn't want to be there was kind of going <laughs> kicking and screaming and within 24 hours of this trip this kid started opening up started talking in ways that just blew everyone away and it just felt like being in nature being mindful that that had kind of healed a part of him if even for that time it was just really powerful and so that story hooked me don got me with a story and um <laughs> kind of started a little a little of my connection with with camp town um that story will will always live with me because it's it was really impactful to think about how nature could help kids so i'm so grateful for what yeah. you guys do i know that you have been mm -hmm. at um, my kids school up until now, and they've recently changed schools. So we'll try to get you in there too, um, right. to their new schools, because, um, I have to say my son, pretty much the only reason he attended fourth grade 
was so he could go to the camp town sleepover. <laughs> and then because of COVID, he was not able to go. And it was just the most heartbreaking thing. So maybe for the COVID kids, maybe you could work something out and just throwing that yeah. out there to the universe. <laughs> too. Maybe Good see if idea. we can right Good the idea. wrong. Um, yeah. That might that might help things out. He was so excited. Um, but what a neat thing you guys do, and uh, what amazing opportunities that the kids have not only to experience nature, um, but to get to know themselves a little bit more, to trust themselves in nature, and to trust their peers in nature, to trust adults to guide them in just beautiful spaces. So I'm I'm so excited yeah. um, by the work that you guys do, and I'm grateful for it. As I know many parents in in our state are do you guys only service indiana greater indianapolis area i can't recall how far you are now yeah it it tends to be central indiana we're we're not opposed to further away and occasionally we field inquiries from groups out of state or or do through a multi-organization partnership uh we we've served um, some kids from new orleans the last couple of years uh, because of a connection with with a local organization here that they have and so, um, yeah, partnerships are at the root of what we do. And, and so we're always open to considering, you know, um, new opportunities. But, yeah, the, the, the heart is in Marion County and, and the surrounding counties um, with occasional forays to, you know, Brown County or Howard County. You know, so central Indiana is our core. But, yeah, we're uh, we're not or uh, we have a wonderful lineup of partners and, and things already scheduled, but we are always open to new partners and new inquiries. Um, and so including, you know, your, your children's new school as well. <laughs> yes. Well, and we'll get to that. I, I want to make sure yeah. we equip the listeners with um, all the things that you, that you offer and how folks can get in touch to engage with those. Um, yep. At this juncture though, I would love for you to tell our listeners what one of your favorite mindfulness practices is, mm. what, what one of them is, and yeah. if you would lead us in that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm happy to, I will say I'm going to, I'm going to lean into my growth edge here um, with, uh, cause I, you know, am learning through the association for nature and forest therapy, uh, a set of what they call invitations, what, what we call invitations. Right. And so um, they uh, frame these as a series of, of invitations and, um, and one that is um, in what's called the standard sequence is called pleasures of presence. Um, and so it's about obviously being uh, very aware of our, our own self, our presence, um, you know, and what might be immediately around us. And so, um, yeah, do you want me to, for, for two or three minutes, just kind of go go into it? Okay. Lead us, Brent. I'm going to rely on, on a little bit of guide here. Um, like I said, as, as I'm practicing, um, you know, in, uh, in this new pleasures of presence. So, um, to start, I will just ask, um, and invite, um, you to close your eyes and then let's just take a few breaths, um, just normal breaths, just noticing what the sensation of breathing feels like. And noticing that right now we're in this thing that we call our own body and you're in your own body. And I wonder what it feels like to be in your body. And if your body is asking for something, 
feel free to give your body what it needs. And notice that right now we're doing uh, this thing that we call sitting and uh, or perhaps some other mode of being still. Uh, and I wonder what it feels like to be doing this. And where can you feel this in your body? Perhaps noticing the support of the seat against your legs or the floor that's holding up your feet and just noticing. And now shifting our attention to the skin. I wonder what sensations we can feel with our skin. Perhaps holding our hands out in front of us, holding your hands out in front of you. And just holding the air in our hands and letting the air hold you. Perhaps lightly bringing the hands together. I wonder what it feels like when the skin touches itself. Perhaps using those hands to explore some of the textures carrying that you're carrying with you today. Maybe that's your hair, maybe a shirt, maybe a piece of jewelry, a ring or a watch. What does that feel like? And then this progression and Amy, I'll gently draw you back into um, you know, the, uh, the, the space and time that, that we're in together. This progression is uh, very helpful outdoors to then progress to be able to touch the earth, perhaps, or a being that we're around outside. And, uh, and then it might be that we uh, touch the, the dirt. It might be that we then smell dirt. It might be that we then experience some degree of taste. Um, might not be the dirt, uh, <laughs> but it might be an, an object, right? Um, and, and then even the sounds and then the sound mapping of, of what's, you know, what we're hearing around us. And so that's just in uh, the first few minutes of what can be a 15 or 30 minute um, invitation called Pleasures of Presence um, through, you know, the nature and forest therapy guide training. So I hope that was, I hope that was okay. Um, again, very new for me. I'm learning um, these practices as we speak. I appreciate you leaning into the growth edge. I, I felt like <laughs> the two parts that were interesting to me was that we're um, holding air. I'd never done that before. Mm. It kind of felt similar to the first time that I remember being led through feeling the air on my skin but it felt kind of like a similar sensation of oh yeah being really aware kind of that space in between me and and the air I like that quite a bit I also liked I think it's a really practical thing just 
kind of in that quick body scan there towards the beginning, asking yeah. ourselves, what, what does our body need in that moment? I straightened up and you might've heard a few cracks yep. in my back <laughs> and took a deep breath. You know, it just felt nice yeah. to say, Hey, I need that. I'm going to take care of it. I mean, how many of us you know, work for hours on end in the same position at a computer, not realizing, yeah. Oh my goodness, <laughs> maybe I just need to roll yeah. my shoulders a little bit and it'll be fine. But yeah. That's a and good we can awareness. be, yeah, I'm glad. Cause that that's what it does for me too. I mean, it, it's easy to just get stuck in our thinking brain and, and sort of lose sight of what our body is doing at, you know, in the ways that we work too, and with technology. Right. Um, but the, uh, the particular training, you know, that, that I'm involved in, you know, is um, it's about invitational language. And so noticing right now and is your body asking for something, even being far more open-ended than like, cause I've done these practices before, like maybe in a counseling session or, you know, in, in some sort of a guided meditation that you can listen to. Um, but it's it, the, what, you know, is your body asking for a little more open-ended? It's not like forcing you to have tension in your body. But if it's there, you'll probably listen to it and hear it. And like you did, you know, adjust or react and respond. And um, and so the language of invitation is an important part of, uh, the, you know, the training that I'm involved in. So. I'm going to go off script for a second and lead into yeah. my growth edge. So <laughs> I'm curious if you ever encounter any pushback for doing mindfulness. I know that Camp Town has its roots in um, a faith-based mission. Do you encounter that or is that something that's kind of more in the past? I'm curious kind of, and if you do encounter yeah. that, um, where's maybe the common ground? Because you seem like a peacemaker. So I'm kind of wondering yeah. how you approach that. Well, I do think, I think there's a lot of common ground. I do. I, you know, it's, it's probably a longer conversation. Um, but I think there's um, there's a ton of value whether someone is a, um, uh, a person of faith, um, a Christian, you know, um, a Jew, a Muslim, right? But like knowing ourselves and and being in touch and in tune with ourselves, um, and I think most faith traditions would probably believe that has value regardless of what sort of the larger you know, truth, um, you know, that they may ascribe to uh, would would also uphold. And so I think in that sense, there's there's common value, um, you know, in in practices of, of mindfulness. And, you know, they can allow us mindful practices, right, to like be, you know, check in with ourselves and take care of ourselves, but then be more useful to others, right, in the in the world and in our relationships. And and so I think most faith traditions would also value value that right and value sort of the um positive or the sort of encouraging and meaningful interactions and you know community building um exercises you know that um can come from you know someone who's you know who is grounded and so i think there's um a common grace of um you know mindfulness being important across um you know this trim of, of people's belief systems and so um so i think it's an it's an element that again i think as i as you said you know at the beginning like i don't know that we claim to be mindfulness experts but i think we see the value in helping kids to understand what's going on inside themselves and and the world around them and i think you know so so we we will you know 
sort of um, uh, adapt or adopt practices that can bring us towards that goal of, of just healthy, you know, youth development um, for, for the kids that we get to interact with. Absolutely. I've been pleasantly surprised just even how mindfulness has really been woven into educational cultures. I mean, from a very young age, helping um, with the self-regulation, I'm really happy to see that becoming more common uh, amongst our um, schooling systems. So I'm glad to hear about the common ground. Um, I was just kind of curious, yeah, your honest take on that. So thank you for sharing that. I am wondering what parents can expect if their kids attend a camp town program. You might need to refresh us a little bit on the things that you do. So my son was involved in, it was during the day. So you, you guys yeah. came and got the kids or the kids school brought them to a park. Can't remember how it all worked out. Anyway, tell us how yeah. it works. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so there's a wide range of you know, outdoor adventure and nature programs that we do provide, uh, most are in partnership with the youth organization or school. And I think in your son's instance was most definitely with the school. And so this time of year, you know, here we are at the start of a school year, uh, more of our programming is school-based. And so that includes school day programming that we call Wilderness Adventure Academy, and that's in partnership with the school, in some cases overnight and multi-day uh, programming. Um, in other cases, that's after school, um, or it's targeted for a group of students with unique needs. Uh, we have what's called the Trailblazer program that um, works with uh, kids with special needs um, in a school-based setting. And, um, and then our summer programming um, tends to be with non-school, obviously, um, summer-based uh, organizations. So, you know, that could be day camps, that can be residential camps and community centers and boys and girls clubs. And, um, and so uh, what parents can expect is um, they can expect caring staff, you know, to be guiding their, their kid, uh, their child into an introductory experience with nature uh, that um, should have components connected to life skill development and social emotional skill development that um, is about sort of uh, growing up healthy, right? And um, and so that's through activities like camping um, and canoeing and course, the indoor climbing wall that we've talked about and, um, you know, uh, and through backpacking um, and hiking. And, uh, and so outdoor adventure activities are the, uh, again, the venue or the classroom by which um, those, uh, those uh, sorry, skills and um, um, goals, um, are worked towards. And so, uh, so that's what parents can expect. I love it. Thank you for running us through that. As you were talking earlier about, uh, camping, the question came to me, I'm wondering what you like most about camping <laughs> in that environment surrounded by children. <laughs> and what is the most challenging part of that, Brett? <laughs> That's great. Yeah. You come back with any sleep is maybe the question. Right, right. The word challenge is in our mission statement. Interesting, right? Like challenge, mentor, and teach. And so, yeah, it's, there are times where we're like, oh, yeah, we're, we're asking people to do something that is hard, you know, <laughs> at, at various times, including, you know, and for some people spending the night outdoors. I know what I will say, I mean, I've got a hammock myself that I use for, for, um, you know, camping overnight, camping a tent hammock, and and I sleep much more comfortably, you know, off the ground and and in uh, the gentle sway of a hammock um, than perhaps I did for years on the ground. 
And so, um, yeah, the hardest part, um, I think, is uh, being able to, um, you know, anticipate and plan for, um, you know, the the needs of, of diverse groups and, and of sort of a wide range um, of abilities and, and sort of readiness. And, and then, um, you know, what we've gotten really good at is sort of matching, you know, their goals or um, their intentions with, you know, a certain type of program or, you know, certain um, activities and um, and so what's uh, the best part is the aha moments, um, the uh, level of enjoyment and and getting feedback from uh, kids and adults afterwards of you know um, I, I didn't know I would like this as much as I did or I didn't know I could be a leader until you let me or until I had this chance and now I see that I can you know and. And perhaps a you know sort of a micro problem into what could be you know a trajectory um, you know changing event for for a, a young person's life and so those are certainly the most valuable moments and and then there are kids who you know this is uh, Camp Town is their first exposure and then they want to do more and so seeing them get involved uh, in you know for instance our youth leaders program and uh, but falling in love with some of the same things that that we do that's really rewarding. You talk about leadership development. I'm curious what that looks like um, with the kids. Are there chances for kids to lead the pack in a hike or there? Give yeah. us an example of how. how... Yeah. That's a great one. That's a great one. Yeah. So, you know, on our multi-day trips, we'll, uh, we'll have uh, a variety of leadership responsibilities that are bestowed upon kids for an entire day. And we'll let them, you know, in some ways volunteer. And then there might be a bit of you know, of deliberation among adults of who should be encouraged to volunteer for mm, certain. We call that voluntold. So, yes, voluntold. Exactly. <laughs> yes, uh, and it might be that they're the actual group leader for the day. In which case, they're making you know decisions, important decisions for their group about you know where um, you know, and with help from other roles, we call a navigator is the person with the map. But the leader is ultimately going to make the call of which direction are we going to go and. Uh, we tend to allow them to make low uh, risk mistakes, you know, um, and like then what? give us an example of a, of a low turn, risk. make the wrong turn, go down the wrong trail for a little while. Right. And so, you know, um, and, 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 then and face sort of... the music of all their friends saying we had to walk two more miles. <laughs> well, two miles would start to get into higher risk just in terms <laughs> okay. of the elements. Water that and snacks. <laughs> Those yeah, are the two. Yeah. It's part of the holy grail yeah. of hiking with kids, water and right. snacks. Right. Uh, but if we lose sight of the trailblaze, you're, you know, this marking, you know, our, our directions. Gosh, well, this is interesting. I wonder, you know, where's the trail? You know, but then coaching the, the, the student through or the child through, you know, being able to make that decision and then how to communicate that, you know, to the broader group um, and um, and how to create sort of a, a, a culture, a miniature culture for a period of time within that community that is of encouragement, that is of, you know, um, uh, you know, uh, what's possible um, and is of, you know, giving caring feedback um, when needed. And so, yeah, so then we'll do things like at the end of the day, we'll do a roses and thorns type of discussion around the campfire, which is basic sort of highs and lows. And um, but at times we get to the place of, you know, bearing a rose and being able to give a rose to another person. And and so often that's about the, the roles that kids took during the day and they're sort of thanking and encouraging another, um, you know, for that. And so there's a real, um, you know, social um, 
power that you know a dynamic that's built among a group you know a kid who who was nervous about taking the responsibility but gets some affirmation and finds some success and some elements of that you know is one way that we can help develop leaders that's wonderful i would love to hear a little bit about how folks can get involved how they can get their kids into um maybe get their their schools involved um talk a yep. little about the uh the crux um some of your events that are coming up um potentially even just ways people could donate or give in in different yep. formats to help make what you do possible yeah i appreciate that there's um there's always in a as a nonprofit um you know we're fundraising for the majority of of our revenue and and we're grateful to be able to provide our programming at at low cost or or no cost to a, a number, a large majority of our participants. And so we do have a, a big fundraising event coming up uh, September 15th in 2023 here at um, in Indianapolis. And, and so uh, we're we're um, open to um, guests and sponsorships for that event. Um, I think we're we're nearing the end of of ticket availability for that particular event. Um, and, um, uh, but it's a fun one. And, um, and then we, we are always year round open to individuals who, who wish to invest in our mission and, and sort of corporations who, who would uh, be interested in it as well. And, and all of that information is available on our website, camptown.org. Um, and, uh, and then we do have a couple of, of open climbs scheduled for the fall. Um, and I think, uh, the next open climb, um, you know, is in uh, September, uh, September 20th here at Camp Town uh, at the Crux and and then in uh, November as well. And there's registration. Those are free um, and, and open to the public. Uh, we do ask for a registration or an RSVP. Uh, and so those are available on our website as well. And uh, yeah, so uh, and then, of course, follow us on social media. If, if anyone would um, uh, be interested in learning more about the organization, we are at Camp Town Indy. And I'm excited for uh, welcoming any new interest uh, into our mission. I'm curious, uh, the age for that, the, the minimum age for climbing. Also curious about yeah. the grade range that you serve when you collaborate with schools. That's both great questions. Typically with schools, uh, it's grade three and up. And so we'll go all the way through grade 12. Um, as for climbing, age six plus. And so... Um, not, uh, we, we're not allowing the, the five-year-olds and under, um, uh, to participate in, in our wall. Uh, they can come, uh, but they would just be with, um, the, the parent or the adult, um, supervision for, for that time. So, yeah. Wonderful. Now, if someone like me would like to get you involved in our school, how does that work? How do we do that? Yeah. Great question. Uh, we're we're open to receiving those inquiries to um, info at camptown.org. And so an email is an easy way. Um, of course, uh, the website has uh, reminders of, of how to do that as well, um, to just drop us an email to our program team or give a call. Um, and so, yeah, phone number sit there on the website too. Um, and those are ways that we'll then connect with um, a, a program uh, manager, program director to be able to plan specifics of of a particular uh, program and just hear what are the goals, what are the needs um, and introduce a little bit of what uh, Camp Town does. Wonderful. I think we are to the closeout section, but it includes a little bit more of a growth edge for us here, yeah. Brent. 
Yeah. I would like to lead us in the glowy daily reflection practice, which is included in my book, The Chaos Antidote, a fable about mindfulness and its companion workbook. It is an acronym that I developed to kind of center myself every morning. Did it this morning. Sometimes I do it um, in journal form, which is what I did this morning. Sometimes I just speak it out loud. Sometimes I think it. And I will lead you in it right now. So the G stands for grateful, something you're grateful for. The L stands for lift up, something that might need resources um, for yourself or for someone else. The O is for observe, paying attention, what's going on inside and around you. What is something you observe? The W is for wholesome intention. You talked also about setting intention and how important that is. Um, And that could be for your day or for the next few moments or in a relationship. And the why is for you are. You're going to send yourself off with a positive affirmation about Brent. Brent, you are. Mm. So we'll start from here at the G. What are you grateful for? Mm. Uh, Yeah, by so many things. uh, But it all uh, comes back to um, I'm grateful for people and relationships in my life. And I will say my for my wife, Alex. She's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, let's talk about lift up. What's something mm. that might need some resources mm. for you or others? Yeah, I I am particularly burdened at this moment with um uh, the um the some serious health uh, concerns shared uh, with me by uh, some colleagues um, of, of their family members, and so I um, would um, uh, lift up uh, those individuals for healing um, and uh, for for comfort and peace. What do you observe? Mm. Yeah, I think I'm. Uh, I observe my body is more relaxed than it was uh, an hour ago. You know, just in in terms of. You know, getting to to have this great conversation with you, um, I observe that, um, yeah, I'm I'm, uh, I'm thirsty. That's what I observe. Uh, I'm not used to talking this long. You know, in a short period of time, I, I prefer a higher listening ratio, and so I'm observing that as well. In fact, here's my water. Yeah, um, I think my intention is to uh, be authentic and be loving with those I encounter. What about your you are? You're going to build yourself up before you head out. Okay. Um, You are where you need to be. So just be there. Excellent. (laughs) I love that. Well, Brent, it's been amazing having you on the show. So grateful for what Camp Town does for not only my kids, but for uh, the greater Indianapolis area. And who knows, even even beyond that. So thank you for your service. And um, I want to let the guests know that today's show is sponsored by Good Aim Communications. You can learn more about Good Aim Communications at goodaimcommunications.com. So from my heart to yours, may you live with ease. This is your host, Amy Morgan, signing off.